Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture this. You're stranded on an island forever. Don't freak out because you get to bring one dish with you, your desert island dish. What is it? Every week, your hosts, Paul and Tegan, that's us, will ask this question. We'll chat with and torment a literal raft of guests on the island who'll dish up stories, gossip, and culinary secrets. But they all have one thing in common. They bloody love food. Welcome Welcome to to Dish. Oh my gosh, Paul, we're here. We're finally on our as-yet-unnamed island. How did we get here, by the way? I'm not sure. We'll figure that out as time goes by. We don't know where we are. We don't know which (laughs) ocean, sea, or strait we are located in. But, Paul, we are now trapped forever, Mm -hmm. I believe, on said island. And I'm going to be honest, I'm quite thrilled to be here. And also, appropriately, very hungry. Now, Tegan, the idea of a desert island dish is actually a thing that's been around for decades. And we thought we were being so clever, didn't we? Yeah. And it turns out that actually not only are there kind of food festivals and cooking competitions and big editorials written on this theme, there's another <laughs> podcast literally about desert island dishes. The, the difference is here, of course, we are trapped on an actual island, okay? It's fine. I don't think anybody's going to be coming for us. No, of course. And you know what? It's very hard to get here anyway, so bring it on. <laughs> Oh, I'm so hungry, so it's we a good thing. We should have eaten lunch before we did we this. We really should have packed a picnic or something, but it's a good thing that every week a new guest will be joining us and each guest will be bringing with them a dish. Mm. So it's kind of like a, you know, it's like a, it's like one of those parties where you have to bring something to eat, but you never leave and there's lots of scurvy. So, <laughs> yeah. My mum was not a fan of those parties, by the way. This is, this is going off on a tangent really early. Yeah. Because she's like me. She likes to go over the top at parties. So if she's having people over for a dinner, she'll get the good ingredients and she'll cook far more food than that group necessarily needs to eat. And then someone brings a chicken in a bag from Woolies. Yes! So no matter how much she mentally preps for that moment where they do rock up with or they they come with, you know, that three-pack garlic bread sort of stuff, it hurts her. It mortally wounds her. Well, it's rude. It is rude, but you can't say to people, bring a plate by the way, you have to spend a minimum of $30 on said plate. You can't do that. Look, if we go to the bougie markets and make some insane slow-cooked piece of wonderment, bring it there in this amazing Crusoe mm. pot, lift the lid, oh my God, smell that, and someone whips out some cabanossi and a bucket of budget hummus, <laughs> it's not the same. Like it's, it's, It defeats the kind of spirit of the proceeding. So what we're hoping is that each week on Dish, our guests will rock up bringing an absolute cracker of a meal. And we have an incredible guest for our first episode. I'm so excited to talk to her. I've been admiring this woman from afar for quite a long time now. Creepy. Creepy. 100%. I stalk her and I'm proud of it. But before we get to our incredible guest, Mm. Paul, just a little bit about you and I. Yes. So we do love food and we've always loved food, but in the past year, that love it, it ramped up a little bit, didn't it? It went a little bit weird because during lockdown, we developed something of an obsession with... I mean, our kitchen turned into kind of a test kitchen, didn't it? I mean, I started experimenting with food 
And just, I mean, at one point I was whipping out two to three new dishes a week because the only place you could go during lockdown was the supermarket or the markets. It wasn't only that. For me, it was the fact that when, you know, we were both in the arts and when so much of our life became... You say were as if we're not anymore. (laughs) We got fired from every job we had. Well, I had to get a normal adult job job. I'll talk all about that some other day. Okay. But during that time when so much was uncertain and you couldn't predict, you couldn't plan... And bloody hell, I'm the sort of person who likes to predict and plan. Oof, give me a spreadsheet any day. I couldn't do any of that sort of stuff. I couldn't start doing my, you know, where will I, where do I hope to see myself in three months, three years? It all fell to shit. And and there was one thing I could do, which is wake up and decide what I wanted to have for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And it was, you know, a position of privilege that we could still go out and yeah. we were still healthy and we could go to the shops or sometimes even the market when it was in our 5K bubble. Mm. But that was something we could control. And it started as this thing that we could look forward to at the end of the day and then grew from there. It's worth noting that uh, both Tegan and I, first of all, we are married, uh, which means... Yuck. Yucko. Uh, <laughs> we kiss with our mouths in our hands. Ew. So we live in the same uh, apartment. We are kind of confined. And during lockdown, yeah, we did reach this weird point where we discovered that cooking was a real joy for us. But we're in Victoria, which means that our lockdown was really quite draconian and useful. But at the same time, we had a five-kilometer bubble we could travel in. We had curfews. Yep, we had curfews. It was pretty intense and food became this very interesting escape for us now tegan i think it's fair to say that you tended to veer towards the sweets and i towards the savory i do love baking yeah and i can i think i think i might be good at it i've not fully pushed myself yet i'm not that sort of friend who's gone i'll make you wedding cake i'm not at that stage just yet but it's little things the first time i tried cooking shoe pastry I nailed it. You nailed it. The first it. time. I've not buggered up shoe pastry since. And I've I've heard that that might be quite tough. Yeah. There's one particular type of uh, icing that I've not gotten down yet. It's got cream in it and it keeps on turning. And I don't know why. I'm going to look up the exact recipe and maybe ask people because you might be able to point out what I'm doing wrong. So, yes, I am a dessert person, but I know we want to get to our special guest. I will just say one thing. Yes. I've created my own soup. I've made a soup. Yeah, so later in the show, you're going to be hooking us up with the recipe for that yes, soup. Yes, it's a roast garlic and chicken soup. There is so much garlic in this soup. If you ever <laughs> if you ever want to kiss anyone ever again, but don't want to get sick. I mean, the thing is... Maybe I should call it my roast garlic and chicken lockdown soup because the only way that you can reasonably have this is if you know that the only people you'll be exposed to in the coming, I don't know, Fortnite yep. is going to be a loved one who can't leave you. Can because- I be honest? There is more garlic in there than chicken. Just call it your roast garlic soup. It's true. No, because the chicken's very important and the roasting process is is integral. But there are three heads of garlic, not pieces. Heads. Heads. You know, sometimes where it says, uh, you know, Jamie will say put in four cloves of garlic. Like, what do you do? Jamie, you know we're going to quadruple that. I mean, garlic is such an integral part. I feel like garlic is a... It's like diminishing returns. You know, you start putting more and more garlic in dishes. (laughs) And over the years, you realize that much like with chili, you've built up a tolerance. Yeah. Yeah, And so... It's true. How many cloves? You the garlic dragon. <laughs> just cut to you in a kind of like an opium den, just over a little ramekin of roast garlic cloves. There are all these fumes around me and it's not drugs of any sort. It's just me smelly. Like I'm like Pepe Le Pew. But it's the 1920s. You're in Chinatown. Yeah, that's good. Great. Okay. So we're going to have a recipe later in the episode. Every episode of Dish, we are going to hook you up with a recipe of some sort. Well, we're going to try. We're going to try. It won't always work, but our guests will come from an array of different places. They'll be actors, broadcasters, writers, uh, 
celebrity chefs, just regular people. It's going to be a real smorgasbord. Is it smorgasbord or smorgasbord? I don't know. Smorgasbord. Smorgies. Smorgies. Smorgasbord. Smorgasbord. Snap out of it. Snap out of it. Wagon wheel watushi. It's the wagon wheel watushi. I think we've gone off track. People are unsubscribing at this point. So. That's why I try to do my own auto-correcting while I sing. Auto-tuning? That one. Auto-correcting <laughs> Yeah, if a little red line appears in the sky as you're talking, you know you've spelled your words wrong. You know I'm a copywriter now. That's my adult job job. And yeah. several times a day I will write something and the computer comes back to me with, you know, I don't, even know I don't even know how, what to correct this one to. I have no suggestions. That's what it says. It says no suggestions. I've had a version of that happening during lockdown where... You know, you because I use the um, the dib dib on my phone where I go to use the you know you double tap your phone and you swipe it and it's pay wave right mm-hmm. so you, your your card pays right but my phone is set to facial recognition <laughs> I've gotten so haggard over lockdown <laughs> it doesn't recognize it does that little boop, boop, and then it goes please try again who does puff boy it's the, puff boy how <laughs> dare you I meant your eyes, I, meant your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I have to squish my face into something recognizing my actual face what's funny is it, it, it also did this weird thing where I was wearing my mask so often that it recognizes me now. Oh, that's so I, I take the mask off and it doesn't recognize me. Mm. I don't even know who I am anymore. Anyway, you know who is going to recognize us because she's a good friend of ours? She's cresting over the horizon in a small raft made of bottles. It's Georgia Love. You may recognize her from The Bachelorette. You may recognize her from that. I personally know her from her journalism days before The Bachelorette. I say personally, I'd seen a few of her reports. You're such a hipster. I was into Georgia Love before she was cool. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Uh, so she is also now doing news reports for Seven News. Yep. She is a, I don't know, you call her a roving journalist? She's also kind of a designer of garments. She makes, she has an incredible line of pajamas. Do you um, want to know something? What? I'm wearing them right now. Yes. That wasn't really a reveal for you. It was for the audience because you can see me with your eyes. Yeah, I was going to say, don't, don't try and reveal things to me visually. Um, but they're very comfortable. But she's very talented and she's a wonderful broadcaster. She's just a, an incredible person. And she loves food. That's the criteria upon which we get people onto this island. Kidnap is the word you're looking for. No, not kidnap. It's more like a entrapment. (laughs) (laughs) I think you're really splitting hairs there, Paul. I am. But here she comes, Georgia Love. You're the first on the island. Uh, This is ironically a lot. Georgia, this is a lot like in The Bachelorette uh, where you are the first to rock up. You, You know, you were the first along the carpet And you know how the first person on the carpet gets to set the tone? They get to wheel out some really wacky bullshit. Are they wearing a chicken costume? Are they riding a unicycle? (laughs) What? Like, do you feel that kind of pressure right now? I feel so much pressure because the foods. I didn't sleep very well last night because I was stressing about what I was going to say today. Now, I'm not a very stressy person, but I love food so much. I put myself in the headspace of if you're going to this island, you can only have the the food that you say you're going to have. Mm. Is that enough? Are you happy with that every day forever? So I've been quite um, anxious about this chat. Uh, And because I'm setting the tone, I'm bringing this first food. What if no one else ends up on the island? What if it's just me and I'm eating the same meal every day forever? These are the things that I've (laughs) been thinking i love i first of all i'm so sorry sleeplessness was not what we'd hoped um to inspire but i can completely relate because paul and i we've been thinking about this podcast for 
such a long time. Mm. And we're talking about you being our guest, our first guest on the island for such a long time. And it was just two days ago, we we're walking and we we're discussing everything. And I was, <laughs> I said to Paul, oh no, but she just got married and now she's going to be stranded on the island forever. And I really fully committed oh. to this idea. And so I'm so sorry, uh, you know, to tear <laughs> you away from your, your first lovely blossoming year of marriage but you're on the island now maybe we can invite him at some point but you know what? Nice. i think the best way to make the first year of marriage last is probably not seeing each other so <laughs> right, this could work okay. yeah you really let that tension build as one of you is wasting away on an island i think i'm really curious now because obviously the reality tv thing is something that you've you know you have a little bit of experience with but they never or very rarely show people eating on camera. There's a lot of drinking. There's a lot of people milling around, waiting and drinking. But what, I mean, what are you eating off camera, just out of shot? What's the catering like on these shows? Well, I was on The Bachelorette, so obviously a lot of cheese platters. You right. see them, <laughs> a lot of cheese platters, and I would hoe into them. Um, it's a bit awkward. I think the reason you don't see them eating on camera, it's not like... I'm not the kind of girl that's like, oh, I better not eat in front of a boy or on camera because that's unladylike. No, I want that cheese. But you're always on a one-on-one situation Mm. and it's a little bit rude to just be slapping on some brie to a biscuit while this guy's telling you, you know, at what age he wants to get married and have kids. Right, okay. and So I, I think I guess that's that... more why you don't see the eating on camera so much. Right, but you also eating in front of people is quite a... It reveals character, right? Yeah. I mean, if you just unhinge your jaw and put the whole wheel down there in one go, I mean... That's that's because there's certain foods you're not meant to eat on a first date. Would you agree? Well, I don't even know necessarily about first date, but I've been thinking so much about eating in front of other people recently. Um, First of all, I noticed the other day after having lunch with somebody uh, for the first time that I have a tactic. Seems like it's the opposite of your tactic, Georgia. If I know that the meals have just come out, I will intentionally ask them a really deep question that involves a very long answer so that while they're talking, (laughs) I know that I get num-num times (laughs) so I don't have to talk. Oh, that's so so mean. I would be so mad if I was on a date with you and you did that. I know. I went out for a friend of mine who I'd met through work. His name is DJ Be Kind to People. He is the loveliest person. I, I think his DJ name really wraps it it's, up. It's a long family name of the of the New Hampton Be Kind to People. <laughs> What's I, his I, first I, name? Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's DJ. Yeah. Um, but I specifically asked him a really deep question about his family as soon as this meal had come out. And I was like, this is great. And he went into such wonderful, florid detail. Yeah. Uh, and I got to eat all of my curry. It was fantastic. Well, I think this also brings up a very interesting point, which, you know, Georgia, you might have some opinions on. I think a lot of women do. How do you feel about food sharing? Because I'm not a fan. Oh, I love food sharing. And okay, so I have a weird thing where I can't order the same thing as someone else if we're out at a restaurant. If there's numerous people and one other person has the same dish, that's okay. But if there are only two people, we cannot order the same thing because you're wasting the entire menu. Yeah, I've encountered that before. In fact, I've been out to dinner with you and you had this odd thing. You waited before uh, our friend Linda and I ordered (laughs) and then you ordered. So you basically... So what I like doing is whenever I'm out with people like that, I try and basically, it's a standoff. I just, I wait them out. I make them order first. Oh, that is wild. I (laughs) I will look up the menu at home 
make my decision out of the pressure <laughs> pot of that social situation. Yeah. So I've thought about it. I've planned my whole day around what I'm going to select on that menu, which is why if I have that moment where they're like, sorry, we're sold out of the chicken tonight, I die on the inside. Yeah, because you don't have a backup plan. I don't have a backup. No. What if you, so Tiki, if you've decided what you want and you go out for dinner and it's just you and Paul and then yep. you sit down and he orders the thing that you want, do you still order it? Oh, yeah. You get two. Oh, that gives me anxiety. What about <laughs> all the this. other delicious things on the menu that you're missing out on because you're both having the same thing? I mean, I guess it's it's because I'm weird and territorial, so I'm like, don't care if he's had the parmigiana and I'm having the parmigiana, he's not going to want my parmigiana, yeah, so I'm, more I'm, parma for me. I'm never having the parma, though, because parmas are dry. They're biscuity dry. Not all of them. Why can't... Why can't you make a parma with the, with the brown meat? Serious question. Yeah, you can. There's veal par. Oh, is veal a brown meat? What? Yeah, it's Isn't brown. veal like that's baby cow? Yeah, it's is brown. It? Yeah, it's baby yeah. baby brown. Yeah, but, but... <laughs> <laughs> you know, of all the beautiful baby colors, baby blue, baby pink, and baby brown. But this is the other thing: is I've also noticed that if anything comes on bread, in my mind, that's a hand food. So if it's a burger, of course. Pizza is on bread in a way. You toast, you, you put anything on toast, it's and a it, hand food, Exactly, right? but I went out for lunch the other day and everybody was looking at me funny. How do you feel about that sort of stuff, Georgia? Oh, you can't knife and fork a burger. No way. Um, See, I agree. Pizza, I think it depends on the toppings or actually maybe on the course that it's served in because an entree, like a garlic and cheese pizza, mm. I feel funny picking up that with your fingers maybe that's a knife and fork one what's your go-to pizza topping though and this is a question i'm going to ask all our guests but what is your go-to pizza so when i was growing up there was an italian restaurant around the corner from our house and it was kind of when it first became a thing that we had real italian places not the la pochetta slap everything on some dots (laughs) but an actual it was an actual Italian family who barely spoke a word of English. The son was the maitre d' because he spoke the most English and he was about 21 years old and spoke maybe eight words um, and he was beautiful. So my mum and I would actually, like if we had a bad day at school or something was going wrong, mum would go, do we need to go see Daniele? And it was a thing that we went to this restaurant so we could perv on the hot Italian waiter. But we we ended up going there a lot because he was beautiful and so was the food. And they actually named a pizza after me because I would change. So there there was a pizza on the menu that I would ask for that but with with changes. And they ended up just putting the Georgia pizza on the menu. So I think I can probably confidently answer what my favorite pizza is. It's the Georgia pizza from Buonasera in Black Rock. Um, And it is... It's a proper Italian one, so not many toppings. Yep. But it's just um, obviously the beautiful passata um, base. And then ham, but proper ham, not like those bits of dicey yeah. stuff that you get in Pizza Hut, like actual sheets of ham. Yeah. Salami and onion. That's it. And cheese, obviously. Yeah, that's it's nice and paired back. So delicious. How do you feel about the, and I've had this, I've almost come to blows on this front, the Australian pizza versus the real pizza argument. You know, you have those, you know, you've got the lovely kind of charcoal burned, really thin with like two or three ingredients. That's the Italian pizza, right? That's the, that's the Georgia. And then you've got the Australian one, which is like in a 
fucking casserole dish. It's got mm-hmm. that, you know, those almost cubes of supermarket ham. And, ham. It, and it's, yep. yeah, and it's not, I mean, I hate those pizzas with a passion, but we have friends who I thought I knew and I thought I trusted. <laughs> and I said, do you want pizza? And they said, yes. And then they ordered these things, which were just like triangles of meat. Um, I mean, do you, are you a pizza snob? Are you a purist? I No, I'm not because there is a place for both of those things. To me, they're entirely yes. different food groups. There is a place for both. If you are hungover or better yet drunk, right. a big old dirty Aussie pizza <laughs> is so good. But it's not pizza. Maybe we need to give it a different name. Right. Maybe it, what's yeah. pizza backwards? Maybe it's Azip. Azip? Azip. It's Azip time. I don't know. It doesn't have the same ring to it, but God, I agree with you. It's a tray bake. It's honestly, it's a pizza tray bake. It's like a casserole with a crust. It's like how in Australia we have Chinese takeaway, but really it's not Chinese food. It's this strange bastardized food that they've created for us. Yes. So it's nice and and comfortable for us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's amazing. It's really wonderful, but it's not actually Chinese food. 100%. And obviously, you know, Georgia, you won't get to have many of these dishes anymore because you are trapped on the island. I mean, the assumption is that what's going to happen is every guest will bring an interesting dish and give it a few months and you'll be in heaven, right? Um, There's no plumbing yet, but obviously that's something we can work towards. We can work on plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to ask, obviously you and Lee got married. Uh, It's tragic that you're separated for now, obviously, the tyranny of distance. But (laughs) could you talk us through what your uh, wedding food was like? Oh. Yeah, because we took a great deal of pleasure in selecting Mm. dishes for our wedding and building our menu. But I want to hear what you guys really dug into for your wedding food. Yeah, I'm I'm so glad you asked that because I'm very proud of our wedding food. Um, so we were actually meant to be getting married in Italy, but oh. the spicy cough had something to say about that. So we changed our plans, but we still wanted to do an Italian vibe to it. Now, that didn't so much mean Italian food. We just kind of wanted to feel like we were giving our guests that uh, destination wedding feel that we had wanted Mm. to do um so we decided to do share plates and i say the preamble because often when you say we did share plates at a wedding people turn their noses up but it was the idea of like family sharing food like in italy so don't judge Mm. me first of all no this sounds despite my sharing objections this is sounding actually incredibly romantic and beautiful (laughs) yeah so when the guests arrived at the vet, so we had our ceremony one place and then we took everyone on a bus to the reception area. So when they got off the bus, um, it was in Tasmania in the end, as they say, the, uh, the Sicily of the South, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the natural next step. So they hopped off the bus and, of course, there was a guy shucking Tassie oysters right there because it's Tassie, you've got to do that. So we had that when they got off the bus and then um, mushroom, three mushroom empanadas, arancini balls, and I forget what was in the arancini. They were kind of roaming canapé food. Right. Um, and somebody said to me at one point, they came up and they said, now what is it in the empanadas that makes them so delicious? Is it heroin or cocaine? Because <laughs> they were... They were that good. They were that good. So that was our starter. And then, well, no, that was the canapes. And then we sat down and the starters were like dense bread, dense AF bread with heaps of butter and salt because mm. delicious. Um, then there was one dish that was uh, jamon, so like like prosciutto. Um, and there was ricotta and currants. So you could like put 
the ricotta and currants on the bread and then like put the hamon on top of it mm. and it was super delicious um and then um a charred octopus because oh. tazzy oh it was just amazing and so we had so when I say charred, it was really charred. So our chef we had for our wedding, um, he's the chef that started, if you know Hobart food at all, the um, restaurant's called Frank, awkwardly also my ex-boyfriend's name, who is also Tasmanian. So it's a really <laughs> weird thing when Lee and I go, like when we're planning for our wedding, and I took Lee, my now husband, to um, this restaurant, and he's saying to everyone after we've been in Tassie, oh, my God, the best part about Tasmania, Frank. I love Frank. Frank is the best. And I was like, ah, stop saying that. But he meant the restaurant. Um, <laughs> so he had this restaurant, Frank and Smolt. And now he's got this um, catering business called Flint Kitchen. And the kitchen is on a trailer on the back of his car. It's this massive, big, like heavy metal kitchen, he calls it. Um, it's like a proper pizza oven thing right. on, a, on a massive trailer on the back of his car. So he literally pulls his car up to this venue and cooks everything on the open fire and the grill right wow. there, wherever you are. Oh, wow. it was amazing. So when it was For charred, some reason, I'm, I'm picturing something that would have looked suitable in, in the uh, recent Mad Max films, you know, like you've got the weird cars with all the, the guitars and then the ones with all the guns and then you've just got yeah. this incredible... This, you know, this oven. Yeah, and then the yeah, the, the groom. Huge, yeah, and the groom is strapped to the front in a gurney with like a with like a metal muzzle on. <laughs> yeah, you know. exactly. And there's little just married empty cans off the back of it. Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, so that was the entree, and then mains was um, truffle chicken. Oh. oh. And there's maybe nothing better than truffle in the entire world. And again, Tassie, you've got to have truffle. Um, and then there was this lamb dish. Now, I know everyone thinks that their slow-cooked lamb or their mum's slow-cooked lamb is the best thing in the world. But this slow-cooked lamb, during my wedding, my best friend turned to me and she said, can we come back here and do this all again when I come back to get married to this lamb dish? Oh, it was. Wow that good it was like proper all the cliches melt in your mouth fall off the bone don't have to use a knife but it was you now lamb can often be really really heavy yeah it was it was light it was um it had mint and something else green like a kind of salsa verde i think it was on yeah. it so it was really a light flavor and oh god it was good um and then a charred sweet potato with goat's curd as a side, and just the most delicious um, uh, roast potatoes. And then later in the night, so we didn't have a cake. We're not big dessert people. Don't at me. <clears throat> I know, I know. We're not big dessert people. Wow. Um, so we actually decided, rather than having dessert, we had a whiskey bar and, oh. and patatas bravas served on the dance floor instead of a cake. So I don't know what... Pantatas Bravas. It sounds is like it? you're congratulating potatoes for something. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, yeah. it sounds like what you know, Mrs. Bouquet would call a potato. That's my Pantatas Bravas. Um, <laughs> what, what is it? So it's Spanish or maybe Argentinian um, mm. fried potatoes. So it's tiny little kind of like popcorn-sized bits of potato that are roasted oh. or, fri or fried rather. Um, oh. And there's a, like a red... Not chili sauce, but a but a spiced sauce, um, 
I actually don't know what it is, but it's like a like a Spanish spicy sauce, yeah, and then okay. like a mayo as well. So and it's just delicious, great. crunchy little potato bites with a slightly spicy sauce. So I'm hearing Ooh. fancy people potato gems. One hundred percent. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So you hit the dance floor with some whiskey and some potatoes is basically your... <laughs> that is amazing. That's great. <laughs> that is so but, That's I'm, my dessert. But how at no point did you not consider asking the chef to whip out the Georgia? I mean, it's your wedding. Like, did you really... You know, like, where was the Georgia? Uh, the next day, thank you for asking. <gasps> oh! We had an Italian-themed recovery party because we'd taken everyone to Tassie. It was a destination, you know, overseas, if you will. Uh, <laughs> over straight. Over straight, um, it's fine. Yeah. So we had an Italian-themed recovery party and we had Scott Heffernan, the, this chef, come back with his heavy metal kitchen and mm. do pizzas. Lovely. That is amazing. Well, he, and cheese I mean, and prosciutto and more oysters and ugh, it was so good. That's amazing. So after all of that, you clearly had the culinary experience of a lifetime. How, how have you then come to the decision of what your desert island dish will be? Because... To be honest, you could pick even just one dish from that entire beautiful menu that you'd created and it you know, it would be a really good argument. You could understand why you'd chosen that dish. Well, this is why I didn't sleep last night. Because all I was thinking about was food and <laughs> well, I can't not have that food ever again. So what I've done is I've tried to think of things that other people won't bring with them. Ah. So I can have some of my favorite foods, and then I'm going to hope and assume that someone's going to bring a delicious pizza at some point. I'm, okay. I reckon someone's going to bring a slow-cooked lamb. Ha- yeah. Heck, someone might bring patatas bravas. But what I don't <laughs> think anyone will bring and what is hands down my favorite food in the world, and I'm sorry because I know it's incredibly controversial, I know it's sourced incredibly horribly, but it is so delicious. I'm so sorry. It's foie gras. <gasps> oh, no! Oh God! I love, I love that oh you've just God. gone out and gone. This is what I want. And do you know what's really amazing is this actually links. Um, oh my God! We made ours. <laughs> so we will not be sharing with you. And here is the reason why. So on our destination wedding, Paul and I ran away uh, to Paris, and we got married there. And halfway through the ceremony, we were dive-bombed by ducks. Ducklings. And we decided oh. that this was them offering their blessing to our wedding because ducks mate for life. And so we, oh. at that moment, realized that we could never eat foie gras. And Paul's oh. parents, little did we know, had that day gone out and bought us this incredible French, we cannot even imagine <gasps> how much it cost, set of their top foie gras. Oh, it was, it was different oh. foie gras. Like they tortured the ducks in different environments at different temperatures <laughs> to really get the fear secreting good oils. And 
it was so nuts. Now, don't get me wrong, please, Georgia. I'm not. Ju- I'm not. No, ju- there's no judgment. There's no judgment. No, there's- you are, and I know everyone listening will be as well. And I am truly <laughs> sorry, but I'm going to give you my justification. Okay. Do it. I know okay. it kind of doesn't really work this way, but if foie gras is on the menu, yeah. that poor goose has already died a horrible death. Now, do you, Paul? Do you, yeah. Tegan? want that goose's death to have been in vain or do you want his horrible death or her horrible death to mm-hmm. at least be enjoyed thoroughly by somebody who will go home and talk about how good the dish was and thank the goose or the duck for its life and its sacrifice can i extend that logic and ask you a question a bit of a judo flip if you will let's say i offer you an amazing dish and i tell you it's it's uh, it's human meat. No, and I no no, I, no and, and I say, look, do you want this to go to waste? Do you want this person's life to? <laughs> no, that is the most bizarre. That's so over the top. But here is what I will say: is Paul and I actually had a very similar conversation about this because Paul is eating much less meat than I am at the moment. Mm. Uh, he's just going through one by one and growing attached to certain animals, and then we can no longer eat them. Which I actually no. personally think is completely justified. Uh, I'm just. Yeah. You know, I'm just still liking hamburgers a bit more. But and um, I brought up veal before as well. I'm going to get no. some bad Veal's, tweets, aren't I? No, it's. I think that you know, this is. We're going to have a lot of different food perspectives, and that's wonderful. But <laughs> we had an incident about a fortnight ago, Paul. Mm, yeah. Where you had ordered something. I can't remember what you'd ordered. I went to the Japanese supermarket and I got this because Japanese curry is one of my favourite things. Yes. And uh, Cup Noodle, this Japanese company, makes this Japanese curry cup noodle, and I got it, and I was making it, and it's smelled amazing and the broth was really good and it was it smelled legit which is rare for a cup noodle and then i started stirring around and there were just big bits of pork in it now so you threw the cup noodle out yes and i said to you Mm. very similarly to what you just said georgia which is well you'd already bought the cup noodle Mm -hmm. the animal had already died yeah i think what would have been better is if you had eaten it and fully respected and given thanks to that animal instead of putting it in the bin Look, I, I think that by that stage, the animal has already, it has already suffered. Now it kind of feels like it's even more disrespectful. Um, yeah, it's a really, it's a really interesting one. It's fascinating. Hey, given that there's no refrigeration on the island yet, what are you going to do oh. with your 15 kilos of foie gras? No, it's magic. It's magical <laughs> oh, realism. Because this was my other justification for bringing it as well, is because yep. I'm assuming that there is some form of magic on the island and that's why the food replenishes every day. Is that is that correct? Here's okay, here's how I visualize it. You know on Jurassic Park where they're on the island, Isla Nubla, and there's this beautiful facility, spared no expense, and there's those kitchens, those big industrial kitchens with the big food banks and the fridges Raptors. And, and raptors. Take away the raptors and add us uh, prowling around looking for food and you've got places to put the food okay you've got places to store it to cook it to prep it i think we're still gonna have to nut this out because i really didn't picture fridges and stainless steel benches on our island but i I do love that we have our first guest and we have our first dish and i'm hoping somebody (laughs) (laughs) so when jamie oliver comes tomorrow yeah yeah carbonara we're just go i mean man our tummies 
Fagra followed by Carbonara. We gotta hope someone else comes with a salad the next day. Yeah, oh my god. Agree. Oh my god. Because the thing is, everyone's gonna have different things on the island. The vegans are gonna want nothing to do with you. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I, look, I think what's important is you have picked something which is deeply indicative of who you are as a person. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what we're also worried about? Because, you know, we're all gonna be trapped on this island. It's only gonna be a matter of time before we start forming tribes. I think I can already see what the division is going to be. <laughs> Yeah, and I love it. I love it. And you are going to be a tribal leader, and like I a, think a warlord, is- basically. <laughs> <laughs> love the warlord. I, oh, oh, oh God. God, I'm not. I don't want to say I'm regretting my choice because I'm not. But uh, I'm going ah. to get some hate. I know I'm going to get some hate for this, but I'm not going to change my mind. Okay, an unrepentant warlord. Excellent. No, I, I fully support that there this. Is. It's fine. Look, it's fine that, you know, it's fine. Anything goes here. Uh, we're in international waters. There's no law. So, Georgia, uh, thank you very much for succumbing to the will of the island and joining us here. Um, we hope you enjoy your stay. It is permanent. Uh, we'll try and get Lee across at some point, but thank you so much for coming on the show. Lee, if you come, could you just bring a salad or like a green juice or something? I'm going to need <laughs> Lovely. Oh, George is the best. And there she goes walking into the distance. Uh, we've given her some rudimentary building materials. I'm joking. There's a house. We've given her a house. It's fine. We've got, no, no, no. Make her, make her work for it, damn it. Make her build that Look, straw hut. She's either going towards a, a patch of scrubland to build a house or she has a house. You need to decide now. Scrubland. Scrubland? It's scrubland. It- I don't know where you got into your head this idea that there is infrastructure on this island. Oh, maybe I thought it was fun to lie to people and then watch the, <laughs> them get disappointed. There needs to they be- just go searching through the jungle for said industrial kiss- just kitchen. lugging a, a U-Haul trailer full of foie gras as it goes off in the, in the sun. I love that she chose foie gras. I really do. I respect it because <laughs> You know what? What? It's ballsy. It's, it's a-, a ballsy opening choice. And and she thought long and hard about it, had literal anxiety sleep coming to that decision. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also opened up some really interesting conversation around food. We, within our very house, have some pretty textured conversations around meat. Yep. And we watched Babe the other night, which didn't help that conversation because now I don't want to eat Anything. Because- I cried. I seriously, I cried the entire time. Oh, it's a it's a film. harrowing film. It is a gut punch. What is that line that really got me? Maybe it was his sadness that made him easier to catch. Oh my god! As the pig is sitting there sobbing because its mum's just been taken away to get slaughtered. Oh, it's a god. it's a it's a anyway. Um, enjoy your foie gras. Um, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Now every episode we in, we will endeavour to hook you up with a recipe. And this past week, as mentioned earlier in the show, Tegan made a garlic soup. Mm. Can you please uh, regale us with the recipe and the method for this soup? Okay. Does does it have a name? Yes, it's my roast garlic and chicken soup. Okay. And it's very important that you have to roast the garlic. That's the only way you're going to get... God, about 30 cloves in or something like that is if they're roasted. Because as you all know, when you roast garlic, it really changes. It gooifies. It gooifies. Yep. So one of the things that I like about roast garlic is that that texture that you get when you've popped it in the oven at about 180 degrees for 20 minutes. Mm. And you can just pop it out of its little packet and it's kind of gone sweet. It's lost that acidity to it. The allison, I yes. think it's called. You can't quite taste that anymore. Yeah. So a little while ago, I think it was actually the beginning of last year, I just started basically force feeding you 
entire heads of garlic as my form of well, my f- medicine. No, you're making some poor foie gras. You were just forcing garlic into me and <laughs> Basically. fattening me up. Well, we're still too young to get the vaccine. I don't know, you know, when this launches, when people are listening. I don't know what the state of vaccines will be like in the world, but we can't get one at the moment. So I'm just vaccinating via garlic. Sure. So my recipe uses four cups or approximately one liter of chicken or vegetable stock. Yep. I personally use Maggie Beer's stock, the mm-hmm. fancy one. It's a bit fancy. Now, is that stock that she releases commercially or are you stealing her stock? No, I'm, I'm boiling her down. It's Maggie Beer's stock. God damn. Well, there's a limited quantity of that, obviously, because she's quite, quite slight. So. Yeah, that's why it's so expensive. You have to take the resin jewelry out first or you will <laughs> ruin my stock. <laughs> <laughs> It uses three heads of garlic. Yep. Feel free to ramp it up. Go there. I don't know how to measure ginger. Okay. I apologize. This is my first ever recipe. No, it's so going well. It's going thank well. Thank you. I like to use about a thumb size of gar- of ginger. It depends on the size of your thumb. This is the thing that I realized after yeah. I decided that. But picture me and think about my thumb. Ooh. And then pick a piece of ginger. Okay. So you could pick any piece of ginger while thinking about it and it's the right size. <laughs> I grabbed three full clumps of ginger while thinking about Tegan Higginbotham's thumb. Oh. Is this right? I don't know if I want people thinking about my thumbs. All For right. some reason, that feels erotic in a weird way. It does a little bit. So what's the next uh, ingredient? Two carrots. Okay. Four sticks of celery. Yep. Feel free to go more or less on the vegetables. It's really up to you. Mm-hmm. And one rather large brown onion. And this is for the soup portion of the recipe. Yes. And then for the roast portion, so the roast chicken specifically, yep. um, one small free-range chicken. Get the best chicken you can, and by mm. which means look for the one that's lived the best life possible. Yep. We're in a really tricky situation at the moment because we don't have a lot of freezer space and we're trying to find a way that we can um, consciously get more meat and then, I don't know, just be more conscious. So it, just get the best chicken that you can. Yep. You'll need a shit ton of butter. How much is a shit ton of butter? Okay. Just like bits of butter, right? Bits of butter. Yeah, because yeah. you're mushing it under the skin of the chicken. Yeah, so just as much as you need to basically stuff under the skin of the chicken. A mushable amount. Yep. And then for the seasoning, I used fresh rosemary. Okay. I used some dried thyme. Yep. Can you, salt. Use, can you use fresh thyme? I think you can. Okay. Yeah, ours just had gone really shitty and crotchety. So don't make our shitty thyme <laughs> a kind of pillar of the recipe. <laughs> Yeah, you can use fresh just like ours are dry. If you want to be fucking fancy so or whatever. I, kind of, I just kind of clapped it and then the dried bits came off. If you have any gross old time. Clap it a bit. Yeah, just clap it. Um, salt and pepper, of yep. course, and one lemon. Now, bonus points if you steal the lemon. So this has become Paul's thing. Oh. It's his thing at the moment. I don't like paying for herbs. It angers me. Do yep. not charge me $4 for your shitty dried sticks of rosemary that don't have any flavor or your already brown shriveled basil it upsets me i don't like paying for herbs paul doesn't like paying for lemons i resent it it's the people's fruit so instead he runs around at night (laughs) (laughs) stealing people's lemons it's called scrumping it's well no it's not it's not because you go into their lawn and as i've said to you the rule is if it's hanging over if i can reach it it's mine Right. So, but the problem is, is because he's also quite law-abiding and fearful by very nature. Mm-hmm. Whenever he steals the running, <laughs> whenever he steals the lemon, he then runs down the street screaming. Now, I should point out that you make it sound like I'm a coward, but you've already started running at that point. Okay? <laughs> it's the now. What's happening is the two of us have agreed wordlessly to steal lemons together, and you piss oh. off and bolt. You're like the worst getaway driver <laughs> the ever. The other night, so I was watching. <laughs> Fuck, and this is why I hurt myself so much. The other night, I was watching Paul steal the lemon as I tried to make a mad getaway. 
Get away. And I'm looking up into the tree and I hear a pong and I turn up and Tegan has cartoon Roadrunner style cleaned her clock and walked. And uh, your arms and legs were on either side of it. And your, of this pole. And your face was. Ugh. It was a stop sign. Oh, it was a stop sign. <laughs> and then what I did later on was I drew the entrance to a tunnel on a wall and she ran through it. <laughs> Oi. Anyway. All right. Okay. okay. So that's all of our ingredients. Yep. So now to roast the chicken, because you've got to start with the roasting of the chicken. Yeah. You preheat the oven to 180 degrees. I jack that up to 200 later on just to crispy up the skin a little bit. Is this bit. fan or regular? Fan. Great. If you've got regular, I don't know. Now to prepare the chicken, I do that thing where I kind of nudge my hand under the skin. Mm. And in there, that's where I whack my butter yep. and my rosemary. I do that on top of the breasts. And then I also cut a little bit of the skin around the drumsticks and pop some butter and some rosemary just around the drumsticks as well. Then I stab the lemon a few times. Yep, hateful. Whack it up the clacker with more rosemary. Yep. And some thyme, fresh or dried, whichever one you've got. <laughs> and then I tie the legs together and just make sure that that's all nice and secure. Well, so that when if you le- don't do that, it could get away. And I believe what the idea is, is that when the lemon heats up, yep. all that lemon steam kind of comes out the and, juices yeah and flavors the chicken Great. and it worked it was really nice last okay. time so that's the chicken so you get that in have that roasting away now around the chicken sorry just quickly are you basting this chicken with anything oil oh yeah olive oil salt and pepper okay great sorry I, this is my first recipe no, no, you, as you can tell it's it's great you're doing well around the chicken on the tray you just whack all of your garlic and like i said go to town and you're it's, chucking you're rolling this garlic in oil and salt pepper or whatever yeah yeah i mean you're gonna whip off the skin so it doesn't matter as okay. much but you know you don't want to go and dry and horrible mm. i pop that in the oven set a timer for 20 minutes because you really don't want to burn the garlic so after about 20 minutes your garlic is going to be soft enough that when you squeeze it it pops out of its skin mm-hmm. so then in a separate bowl while you pop your chicken back in and keep that roasting for even longer how long would you say i think it was probably about another half an hour yeah. and then just towards the end of that because i wanted the skin to crispy up a little bit i popped it up higher okay. and just gave it an extra 10 minutes just to let the skin properly crispy you get all your garlic get it all out of its skin you can have that sitting aside now i'd like you to look back at your vegetables so you're going to thinly chop your carrot and your celery and your brown onion. Yep. However floats your boat. Mm-hmm. Shapes, you know, I'm pretty flexible on that front. Then you want to whack that in a big pot and I think with some oil, not butter, and you want to kind of sweat that, right? Yeah, so what you want to do is you want to throw it into a large pot with some olive oil. Yep. Pop in the onion and the garlic first. And as you said, sweat that. So you want the onion to become nice and translucent. I reckon about 20 minutes uh, with, at a, like a, medi- like a lowish medium hit with the lid on. Yeah, and then, you, sorry, no, before you do that 20 minutes, you are going to pop in all your vegetables just so they're softening. So you've got the garlic infusing your celery, oh, your carrots. that's what I'm saying. All the vegetables and the garlic mm-hmm. and some oil in a pot with the lid on, uh, softening for about 20 minutes, stirring occasionally, right? Okay, that just, sounds good. Yeah, that, that sounds like what I did. Okay. By this stage, hopefully your chicken is roasted. Yep. Pull it out. The way to check the chicken, I'm sure you've seen this. I'm sure somebody's pointed this out to you, but just in case you haven't, what you do is you stab it and then you watch the color of the juice coming out. If that juice is clear, the chicken is roasted. Mm -hmm. If it's still pink or red, it needs a little bit longer. What I will say though, is you're putting a lot of this chicken meat back into the soup. So if it's a little bit pink and you wouldn't do this unless you're putting it in the soup, but if it's a little bit pink, it will be okay because it's then going to boil in the soup for a little bit of time. So you're going to kind of double whack it with heat. Mm -hmm. 
So you don't want to over roast it or you're going to be double cooking. No, it. you don't want dry chicken. So that's okay. why I mean you really you really want to be careful and you're making sure that you're not over roasting it. Yep. As a little side thing, Paul and I never put the whole chicken into the soup. Mm. Generally we keep the drumsticks and maybe a little bit of the brown meat separate and then just have that for lunches the next day. We eat that while we're cooking. It's yummo. Oh no, it's a filthy lie. For lunches the next day, we stand over the plate and we shred the carcass. Like eat the skin like Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> it's horrifying. So now you've got all your vegetables, your carrot, your celery, your garlic, and your onion. That has been sweated for a long time. It's not mushy, but it's nice. And, you know, it's got a tiny bit of crunch, but... It's semi-translucent. You know, basically the the ballpark there is you want to see, first of all, get a little bit of celery out. If it's crunchy, put it back in. And the onion, you want to be kind of semi-translucent. Yeah, just get it to a texture, though, where if you had it in a, you know, a spoon of soup, you'd go num-num. That's nice. That's the texture I'm happy with. Whap in all of your stock. Which, yep, the stock. And now... I saw you basically disassemble the chicken and then cut into little bite-sized pieces all the chicken stuff that you wanted in the soup. So then you're going to pop in your stock, let that come to the boil a little bit, not full bubbly boil, but you know, it's heated up. Yep. And then you're going to pop in all of the chicken that you want to pop into the soup Mm -hmm. in bite-sized pieces. I also did another thing the other day. So in your chicken dish, you're going to have all these beautiful juices and oh, oils and butter yes. and crispy bits you of mean, herb. You mean the roasting dish, in right? the roasting dish. Yep. So I sieved all of that out and then put some of that lovely juice into the soup as well. Basically yep. a flavor infusion. Absolutely. It is, of course, going to up the fat content because a lot of that is just melted butter. Yeah. So that's your choice of whether you want to do that. But we did that for flavor and it turned out really nice. Mm. And then realistically, you're pretty good to go. You just get it all to the point where it's bubbling and nicely mixed in together and at the temperature you want. And the soup's, it's good to go. I mean, I kind of keep it in a low heat for like 10 more minutes just to infuse everything. That's what I mean. You want to get it so it has all infused and mixed together. But have it with a big hunk of buttery toast. It is, this is almost medicinal because you you have Jewish background and this this is like some sort of... It's like in my blood that I have to give you chicken soup. But you never got a chicken soup passed down from your parents from your mom no this is the thing I haven't had one so this is it starts now I'd sort of looked up various chicken soups over the years read people's recipes on the internet which is what you do and then you end up finding something that works for you and tweaking it and twisting it and this is my version this is my comfortable place for a roast garlic and chicken soup thank you so much for the recipe Tegan thank you I'm really sorry to everybody if it wasn't you know, I've not done a recipe before. And I was wondering whether I go really Nigella and start adding just all this, you know, erotica into the recipe. And then just saying the words like microwave and just slurring a bit. <laughs> microwave. Look, here's the thing. We are going to get better at this. The recipe thing, I like the vibe of a friend sitting you down and talking you through the recipe in terms you can understand. What I'm going to try and do, here's what I'll try and do, is I'll yep. try and write up the recipe in a bit more of a recipe-ish fashion. Pop it on our socials. So if my bumbling directions haven't helped Uh the words will get you there because i'm a copywriter now you can tell well (laughs) thank you so much for joining us for this inaugural episode of dish next week we are going to be joined provided the uh the trade winds uh, affair and the the storm doesn't kill him uh by melbourne comedian and author and broadcaster sammy shah i love sammy wonderful guy he has some incredible recipes up his sleeve and he has some great stories about food we're super excited about that and yeah is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up nah Great. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to work on our outros. But apart from that, (laughs) thank you for joining us for the first episode of Dish. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you tell your friends. And we will see you on the island next week. Can we go eat now? Yeah. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Dish Island. Dish is part of the Acast Creator Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? 
Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 